Hi, this is Chris Campbell with the Food Institute, and welcome to the Food Institute podcast. This week, we are speaking with Shelley Forrester, founder and president of Forrester Network, with the goal of exploring the ways the coronavirus pandemic has affected marketing and advertising for the food and beverage industries. But before we get started, if you're new to the Food Institute podcast and you're listening to us on YouTube, we'd ask that you subscribe to our channel to stay current with our latest updates. And if you like this episode, please share it and like it and make sure that we get our name out there. Really appreciate that. and really helps us out a lot. So if you could do that for us, that'd be great. So with that said, I'll welcome Shelly to the show. How are you doing today, Shelly? Great. Thanks, Chris. Good to be with you. That's great to have you on the show. Uh, and to start us off, so the coronavirus pandemic, it's presenting new challenges across the U.S. economy. And of course, that extends to marketing and advertising. So what trends are you seeing among companies in general regarding marketing and advertising in the wake of the pandemic? So, you know, Chris, when I think about marketing and advertising, I think about relationships and communication. And that could to some people sound personal, but the fact of the matter is business is personal. And with this pandemic and in quotes, all of us being in this together, it is more personal than ever. And so in terms of trends, um, you know, The first trend, well, I'd like to give a shout out before I talk about trends, and that is I think that what the marketing and advertising industry has done in record time, like overnight, is absolutely outstanding. And the fact that they've done it in a different way than they usually do, usually it's face-to-face all together, brainstorming, brain sharing, creating, you know, bouncing off each other's energy. Now it's done in two-inch boxes looking at each other remotely on a screen, So I would say like healthcare workers, logistics people, maintenance people, grocery store workers, really marketing and advertising people are essential workers as well. And that's my shout out to them. And in terms of trends, you know, the first thing I would say is this whole notion of being more relational and communicating better. And the other thing in terms of a trend is there's more of a focus, not just on the brand, but also on the company. So not just the brands of coffee that I'm drinking, but who are the people behind the company from the president right on down through manufacturing and logistics. And of course, the coffee industry has been pretty good at this because in the past, we've known about the company, fair trade, the farmers, the farmers' children, we've cared about their health care. So it's not that it's new, it's just that there's much more of a focus and it's more pervasive now. So in the food and beverage space, we just talked about coffee producers, but what are food and beverage companies in general doing so that they can adapt their marketing to a world where most customers are staying at home? And to kind of follow up on that, what can they do better as well? So, you know, the first thing I I was talking to somebody yesterday and he was saying, oh my gosh, we're down at the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy and we're worried about food. I think the first thing is food covers the entire Maslow's hierarchy. So first it's for survival, absolutely yes. But food is love, food is creativity, food is socializing, food is the way we learn about other cultures around the world. I posted an article recently about recipes from around the world, so we're all stuck at home, but we can kind of travel by having a Vietnamese meal or a South American meal. So I think that's one of the things is really recognizing food. And when I say food, I mean food and beverage, Um, recognizing food and beverage for really what it is so absolutely essential to every aspect of the human life. So this is something that you think food and beverage companies should really leverage is the fact that you can still have something of a normal life when you're 
eating at home. Is that kind of the, uh, the track yes. you're explaining and, there? And that food isn't just about survival. Food is a way to have a communal meal. Food is a way to show love for your family. Food is a way to travel without leaving the house, which has an implication as far as recipes go. The other thing is, and we know this from a lot of research that's been done, is in many cases, the beverage is the most important part of the meal. It's how the meal starts. It's a very celebratory beginning of the meal sometimes, and it's often how the meal ends. So really also including beverage in this whole meal and food and beverage experience, I think is really a way to um, market and communicate what food really is all about and is so essential to us right now. So what can food and beverage companies do to bring these kinds of marketing messages to consumers in the current day? Um, one is the way they talk about it, the way they package it, the way they promote it. You know, food service is doing some interesting things in terms of how they're putting the meal together. And, you know, it used to be you either went to a restaurant and everybody ordered a different meal or mom was cooking a hamburger for this one and a vegan meal for the other one. And so they're putting together these meals for the whole, that the whole family can enjoy. And, you know, on Cinco de Mayo, margaritas were in that kit. So I think that's one of the things that they can be doing and really making food fun. Like you were saying earlier, food is definitely a social experience. It's not just for survival. Obviously, that's part of it. You know, we need to eat to survive. I've spoken with other people that say, you know, food, while it might not be recession uh, proof, it is recession resistant because of that. Um, What other strategies could uh, a food or beverage company use to try to get directly into the hands of some consumer at the current moment. And I'm speaking more on an advertising side now. I'm thinking obviously social media and TV, but what kind of tactics can they use to try to reach consumers, especially now that, you know, they might be reaching, you know, information overload now that they're at home and they're constantly in front of their computer screens or in front of their TVs? Well, you know, not everybody is, right? So some people are on Instagram and some people are on Facebook. So I think it's really using the right channel and the right medium for what your message is and who your target consumer is. And I really think that in addition to the message of what we're saying to people, there's also a message of what we're doing in terms of what the products are and the recipes and the communication. And, you know, I haven't looked at the statistics, but I'm sure the Food Network is doing very well. And I'm sure all these recipe sites are doing really well. So the communication is not just on advertising and not just on television. And that's what I would expect as well. You know, obviously, I think even before the pandemic hit, we started to see uh, consumers looking to different platforms. And that was an opportunity for advertisers and marketers to find them. Uh, And you're right, social media is definitely one of the bigger things that's coming up. But I'd like to go back to one of the points that you brought up earlier. I believe you said, you know, the we are here for you approach. And I've noticed just about every advertisement I've seen recently includes some variation of that statement. So how can a company ensure that this message actually resonates and doesn't really seem hollow now that we're a few months into uh, the crisis? Yeah. So, you know, with the beginning, that was what we needed to hear, right? Um, and really the answer is action. So, okay, you're, you're in this with me. So what are you doing for me? So is the food on the shelf? Are you feeding the hungry? So here's the message, the action that follows it up. And then things are changing at the speed of light, which today seems to be hourly or daily. So there's new news. The the consumer is shifting. And as a result, that message needs to shift as well. And our action behind that message needs to shift. 
And this goes back to a shout out to marketing and advertising people who seem overnight to be able to produce something that I watch on TV the following morning that absolutely resonates with me. Food and beverage makers and retailers are considered essential under most stay-at-home orders. In fact, it's probably all stay-at-home orders. So how can they use this fact to improve their marketing and advertising strategies? And what challenges will they face in deploying a message like that? You know, and again, we're talking about the message and then we're talking about the action behind it. And so the real challenge seems to be this supply and health, right? And and food and beverage manufacturers and marketers need to supply both. So they've got to get the supplies in, they've got to get the supplies out to the market, and they need to ensure that everybody is healthy along the way from the employee all the way through to us. And the challenge is how to do that. And when you have done something wrong, then you have got to communicate that you made a mistake, this is what you did, this is how you fixed it, and this is what you're going to do going forward. So whether it's the we're in this for you message, it's all about the message, Chris, as well as the action. So if Cottonelle, and I saw this commercial last night, which is why I'm mentioning. So if Cottonelle says, we're here for you 24-7 and we're producing toilet paper, and tomorrow morning I go and it's the shelves are stocked, I remember that message and I see the action that's behind their words. So it's really understanding the commun- the consumer, what the need is, communicating that they're there, they under- not necessarily in these words, but they understand and they're doing something about it and they're helping make our lives easier. Because right now, that's what we need. We need our lives to be easier. It's really complicated now and uncertain. And marketers are doing a lot, I think, as well as um, some politicians in terms of being inspirational, helping us, providing what we, we need, calming us down. I think they're doing a fantastic job. So I'd like to touch upon that uncertainty a little bit. So in your opinion, do you think these shifts are going to be for the short term or the long term? And I know that might be tied directly to how long the pandemic lasts. So I'm not asking so much what you think regarding the timeline for the pandemic, but when the pandemic's over, do you think that companies are going to stick with this we're here for you message, or do you think they'll start extending into other marketing terms? Well, I think they're going to extend into other marketing terms. One, they already have. And two, okay, so if we got that, you're here for us, and now we have a different need. So I think what's going to continue is this communication with us, this staying current with the consumer, um, speed to market in terms of changing the message. You know, it feels right. It is right. And so I'm very hopeful that is that this is a practice that we will all adopt and accelerate and elevate. And kind of following up on that too. So should food and beverage companies start being prepared to market and sell directly to consumers? I saw recently PepsiCo launched two websites, one for their own products and then also Frito-Lay, their subsidiary, uh, to go directly to consumers instead of grocery stores. So I think that the United States was starting to shift towards this direct-to-consumer model before the pandemic and obviously got accelerated. But do you expect that that will continue even after the pandemic? Or do you think people will be so excited to be able to actually go to a store that they'll be going back out and, you know, marketers should kind of have a hybrid model instead? Well, so I think it's a two-part question. So the first thing is a marketer like Pepsi 
marketing and delivering to a consumer as opposed to going through an Amazon or a grocery store. So I, I have the utmost admiration for PepsiCo as a company, its leadership, its people, its culture. People are really smart. They're risk takers. They're big thinkers. They're disruptors. Um, so it's very interesting. I think it's a huge challenge. You know, Pepsi is a company that likes a challenge. So I think they're up for it. You know, and I, I live in Connecticut, so I'm one of those, we're going to wait and see states like what's happening in Michigan and all these places where the market is opening. I think that marketers are going to be waiting and watching to see how this goes. And if anybody could do it, it would be Pepsi or PepsiCo. The question in my mind is, do we really need this? Like, you know, there are many other ways for us to get products. So I can go to Amazon and buy everything I need for my family, not just chips and soda or bottled water. So that's one thing. Um, the other challenge is, you know, online shopping was here before the pandemic. It's certainly accelerated and grown. It's going to continue. I think we'll still go back to grocery stores when certain people like it. That's their habit. You can't get it online. They're out anyway. They're driving home. They pick up something. So I think both are going to continue. And the challenge is for like a company like PepsiCo, which probably wasn't as focused on the online retailers like Amazon of the world, um, they're going to have to do both. And then the challenge, Chris, is if people are not going into a store as often and they're getting more things either delivered or they're picking it up curbside so they're not in the store. There are two big challenges for marketers. One is all of those impulse purchases, which I understand is probably part of what PepsiCo is doing. But the other thing is when new products come out, like people go shopping, they walk into a store, they see something, they see the package, they browse. Marketers are going to have to figure out how we do that in a less visual, more online space. So I've seen a lot for overall retail, you know, people turning to augmented or virtual reality, but I think there's obviously a challenge for food and beverage companies considering how many of the other senses beyond uh, sight uh, that get engaged when you're in the process of eating. So do you have any ideas of how a marketer might be able to kind of bring that experience of walking into a grocery store and seeing all the fresh produce or, you know, walking into a restaurant and smelling the smells from the kitchen? Is there any way marketers can kind of bring that home uh, while we're in the pandemic? You know, I the, the smell one is going to be challenging, but I think there's a whole visual element. I mean, it's true when you walk into a supermarket, the reason that all of those fresh fruits and vegetables are right there when you walk in, right, is it's very inspiring. It's fresh. It's natural. It's colorful. It opens our minds. We, we, we want to shop and we want to buy more. You know, in a way, it's surprising that we haven't really cracked this code yet for online. But I think there are a lot of visual things we can do. I'll give you an example. Many years ago, I was doing some work and we were doing um, the beverage path through to path to purchase and quick serve restaurants and QSR through the drive through. So and it's probably still true to a certain extent. The food is romanced. You see big, juicy sandwiches, and you see a steak, and maybe you see a logo that says Pepsi, right? But there's an opportunity to present that beverage as a wet and wild, splashing over the top, thirst-quenching thing. So I think there's a lot of visual things that can be done, you know, and then there are some more 
what I'll call functional things that people are doing, which is, you know, if you bought this, you know, everybody who bought this also bought this. And, you know, we know you have kids, so, you know, don't forget the chips. But I think there is an opportunity to be much more visual and appetite wedding than we are. Over the past few years, we've seen CEOs across industries step into a more public role. And in some cases, they're kind of becoming an extension of the marketing department or the CMO role itself. So do you expect this trend to accelerate? Um, If by extension of the marketing department, Chris, you mean that they're the face of the company and the message of the company, then yes, I absolutely expect that it's going to accelerate and it's here and it's going actually to be elevated. Because I personally would rather hear a message from the CEO than the VP of marketing. So when I sit down on a Delta flight and my seat is buckled and the CEO of Delta comes on the screen and uh, welcomes me, I kind of like that. And I've never seen the VP of marketing do it, but I think I prefer the CEO doing it. And you know, most CEOs today, especially of public companies, half their time is out in the public. So whether it's the media, Wall Street, investors, key customers, um, whatever the public faces. And the other 50% of the time is internally. So they're setting the vision, they're communicating the strategy, and they're empowering the people. And now more than ever, we're finding that we need that, right? Like it's not just the CEO. We have to empower all of the people from the top of the organization down to the bottom. So I think we're going to see more CEOs talking publicly, and we're going to see more CEOs stepping up internally to rally the troops and empower the people. And we've seen a lot more CEOs on TV recently, I think, than we have in the past. And most of them appear to be very intelligent and thoughtful and really helpful to us as a society. So yes, I think we Americans are going to want to see more of them and they're going to step up. Uh, do you have any examples of CEOs or even just leaders that kind of fit that mold, that dynamic you're talking about there? Well, you know, my favorite example is Jose Andres. So he, and of course, this is a food service example too. So here's someone who's really um, done a lot for the food service industry and through his nonprofit work has been feeding people through disasters for years now. It is astounding to me how he can mobilize so many people and raise so much money and prepare so many meals and feed so many people. And one of the things I really like about him is he says and believes and acts on this, that everybody, who, whoever you are, if you're a grocery worker, if you're a frontline worker, if you're a homeless person, you deserve a quality hot meal. And he prepares and serves them. So I love that about him. I don't know um, as much about him as um, somebody else who I'm going to bring up in a second. So I just want to segue to Governor Andrew Cuomo in New York. Now, whatever you think about his politics, I just want to talk about him as a leader. <laughs> and I, he, he, is, he is such a fantastic example. So, And I think this is true of leaders, whoever you are, business, government, you lead um, employees at Trader Joe's. You're the leader of a group of people in your community hospital or at a local bank or the local butcher store. I don't care. Whoever you are as a leader. Just let's talk about Cuomo for a second. First of all, he shows up, right? So he's present. We have access to him. We see him. We hear him. We hear how he's thinking. We hear what he's thinking about. And we say, wow, there's such comfort in that, right? There's somebody who's actually thinking about all this stuff. The second thing is, 
He tells us pertinent facts. He doesn't confuse us. He doesn't tell us a billion data points. He tells us five or six things that are really important to measure. And then together, every day at about 1130 in the morning, Eastern time, we're all looking at those charts together. He's, he also may have changed PowerPoint for us forevermore. His charts are really good. Um, the other thing is he is totally relatable and he's empathic, right? He is a man for the people. I think at one point he even gave a speech about that, which was an absolutely stunning speech. Um, you know, so he doesn't celebrate that the number of deaths has gone from 232 to 160. He mourns 160 deaths, not only of the people who died, but he talks about them as families. And I, I love that about him as a leader. And there are many examples of um, leaders who have done this. Indra Nui, who used to run um, PepsiCo, did this too, where she would write letters to employees' families, right? So the whole family is involved. Um, and we've gotten to know his mother, his brother, the daughters. Um, the guy has a sense of humor. Um, and so we've gotten to know something. We, we've gotten to know his staff. And we feel very confident and comfortable and welcoming. And he really is, I think, a very comforting figure right now. And I think leadership, communication, clarity, em empathy, including the whole family, these are all um, aspects of leadership. And they also sound very personal. So in a way, Chris, we've come full circle here because at the end of the day, business is personal. And I think this is one of the things that the pandemic has really pointed out and elevated for us, that it really is about all the people. And if we do this right, we are going to be all in this together and thrive. So completing the circle seems like a great place to uh, end this conversation. So I'd really like to thank you for your time today, Shelley. Uh, where can our listeners go to learn more about you and the Forrester Network? So the best place to find out more about the Forrester Network and also how to reach me is my website. So it's ForresterNetwork.com. And we'll definitely share that link in the description of this episode. So once again, I'd like to thank Shelly for her time today. Uh, remember, if you're new to the Food Institute podcast, please follow, like, and share this episode. If you'd like to learn more about the Food Institute, please take a look at the links in our description to learn more about us and what membership could do for you and for your company. So until next time, this is Chris Campbell signing off. Mm -hmm.